reading from the 37th chapter of Genesis. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them of, of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children, because, because he was the son of his old age. And he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. Joseph answered, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring the word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. Joseph came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, They have gone away, for I have heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to their father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it? If we kill our brother and conceal his blood, come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 silver pieces. And they took Joseph to Egypt. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It may be trite, but it's true. Hurt people say and do hurtful things. We heard last week that Jacob was hurt that his father Esau preferred his brother Esau, so Jacob stole Esau's blessing. Esau was hurt that Jacob stole it, so he vowed to kill Jacob. They eventually made up, sort of. 
But as often happens, the cycle continued in the next generation. Modeling the behavior he knew as a child, as we do, Jacob showed preference to his son, Joseph. It was painfully obvious to everyone involved, and the results were painful. Joseph's brothers hated him because of their father's love for him. And they wanted to kill Joseph because of his dreams. My dreams aren't as interesting as Joseph's. They don't inspire nearly as much passion. They can be odd. I can't explain all of them. Occasionally, they're about this place. Not too long ago, I dreamed that I woke up right at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning, rushed up here for the service. As I was coming in, Derek had finished making the announcements. I was relieved, but also a little concerned because there was an announcement that I absolutely had to make. I went to get my robe, and by the time I got to the narthex, everyone was already in here, processional over, without me. All you armchair psychologists have an explanation for my dream. I can feel it. I'd think the same thing. You're assessing me as too compulsive about my work, unable to let things go, to trust others with church leadership. Some days you'd be right. Some days not so much. I think that particular dream was the pastor version of that college nightmare that so many of us had. When the alarm clock doesn't go off and we finally wake up only after the final exam is over. Whatever the interpretation of the dream, if it's a word from the Lord, I'll interpret it as do your best to prepare Then trust the Holy Spirit and your colleagues and the congregation to make it happen. Some people have dreams that go beyond their responsibilities. They dream of a world that is bigger than they. A world that is more like what it is meant to be. A world where the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit together at a table of brotherhood. They dream of a day when children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. They dream of a day when justice shall roll down like waters. The kind of dreams that get people killed and the kind of dreams that bring life. Joseph's dreams nearly got him killed, but they led to bringing life. If you're wondering what kind of dreams these were that moved Joseph's brothers from hating him for being the favorite son to wanting to kill him for dreaming the dreams that he dreamed, Joseph dreamed that his brothers would bow down to him. That they and even his parents would serve him. And then he had the nerve to say it aloud. Joseph was 17, you know. His prefrontal cortex had not yet fully developed. 
He was struggling to make the best decisions. He thought it would be a good idea to tell his 11 brothers that they would one day bow down to him. I have two sisters. They might think that I think that they should bow down to me, but I would never say it aloud. You have to be careful telling people things like that. Hurt people do hurtful things. Jacob, the father, must not have known the degree to which his other sons hated Joseph. The level of hurt that they felt. If he had considered it, he would have thought twice before sending Joseph to check on them. As it turns out, Jacob unwittingly sent his son to die. Try to imagine what Jacob felt when he remembered his last words to his son. His older sons having come in with the horrible news that he had been killed, that an animal had devoured him. How loudly did his final words to Joseph ring in Jacob's ears, Go now. See if it is well with your brothers and the flock. Jacob had called Joseph to him. When called, Joseph responded, Here I am. Then Jacob sent him to what appeared to be his death. Here I am. It's not just a statement that marks your presence. It's expressing obedience. A willingness to do as the one summoning you requests. In this case, to go. In any case, to be part of something challenging. Here I am. Three simple words that we honor for their submission. Three simple words that we sing with humility and deference, as did Isaiah after God cleansed him. Here I am. It's surprising how often here I am is said, was said by Abraham and his descendants. It's more surprising that they kept saying it. Here are just a few of the things that happened after one of them responded, here I am. Abraham was told to sacrifice his son Isaac. Abraham had to tell his son Isaac that the Lord would repent by the sacrifice as Isaac looked around to see what it might be. Jacob stole Esau's blessing from Isaac. And of course, Joseph was sent to check on his brothers, removing him from his father's life for years. It wasn't all bad, though. The angel called out to Abraham just before he would have sacrificed Isaac. Here I am, Abraham said. Don't sacrifice Isaac, the angel commanded. When Jacob learned that Joseph was alive and well in Egypt, God called out to him. Here I am, Jacob said. Don't be afraid to go to Egypt. I will go with you and will bring you back, God said. Jacob went. He went to Egypt because Joseph was there. Joseph was there, second in command. His dreams had come true. His dreams, his visions had set Egypt up to survive the drought. 
to have enough for his new land and for his homeland and for his family to be cared for. He had been sold, propositioned, wrongly accused, imprisoned, remembered, and elevated to Pharaoh's assistant since his father last saw him. All that makes me wonder. In those early, most difficult days, did Joseph regret his dreams? The ones that precipitated all of his troubles? Or did he cling to them ever more closely to see him through those troubles? Was Joseph confident that one day his dreams would prove true? Were the very dreams that caused his hurt the ones that gave him the strength to survive? To land in a place where God could change the fate of entire nations? Are your dreams worth clinging to? Do they give you hope when you're at the risk of despair? When your dreams call you into action, are you willing to say, here I am? Think before you answer. Here I am can lead to all sorts of things. Tall tasks. Tough days. Sacrifice. Challenge. Grief. What follows, here I am, the scripture shows, is rarely easy. But then, I'm not here can lead to all of those too. I'm not here doesn't get you out of any work. I'm not here doesn't make your life easier or better or happier. No one escapes tough days or grief. No one who knows any satisfaction in life gets through it without tall tasks and sacrifice and challenge. In a world where some people think your gain must mean their loss, there will always be those who are hurt by your success, by your wisdom, by your virtue by your dreams. And hurt people do and say hurtful things. You failing won't stop that. You hiding won't stop that. You underachieving won't stop that. You not dreaming of a better day, a holier day, a more just day won't stop that won't stop those who think they'll lose by the better days of which you dream. So why not dream of those days anyway? Why not help bring about those better days anyway? Why not achieve all you can? Why not stand up and speak up, speak up and act up for what is good and what is right for God? Saying, I'm not here. It's about as honest as saying no when someone asks, can you hear me? Whoever responded to that question heard 
that question. And whoever is alive is here. You are here. Here you are. What does that mean for you? You're here called to do something good. What does that mean for you? You have somewhere to be. You've been summoned. What will you do? You have dreams for a better day. How will you make those dreams come true? Here I am is not easy. But I'm not here is not honest. You are here. Where will you go? What will you do? Who will you serve?